Um, how are you today? I've been looking forward to this uh, day uh, for some days now, and I'm so, so honored that I've been able to come. I've not come to minister. I've come to receive an impartation. I want to begin by first and foremost thanking God, our Savior, uh, for giving us the privilege to be together. Uh, at the same time, I want to truly, from the depths of my heart, appreciate my friend and my partner in ministry, uh, James Kemathi, and uh, his wife, Patience. Can we appreciate this dear couple? You can do better than that. You can do better than that. Um, maybe you can just keep working on the monitors so that I don't strain my voice. Uh, it's the first time I've seen uh, Minister Gadoni. I've always been seeing you on TV. Now I've seen you physically live. And you are such a blessing. You're so, are you, I, I began seeing you when you were very... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you can bet that I've followed your ministry for a while and you are a great, great blessing to the body of Christ. Um, I also want to appreciate uh, my dear friends, Prince and Grace. Grace, I can't remember the last time we met. Uh, this man is responsible. He should have invited me soon. <laughs> And I'm so glad for you guys, together with the entire leadership of this church. I also want to appreciate the, uh, the team from the Apostolic House, uh, Rahab Weshimiwa. Uh, I can see my dear friend Edwin, um, Elias. I, I, saw, uh, I saw James somewhere. Ah, yes, yes, James is there. Amen. And the rest of you that I'm not able to see your faces, we appreciate so much. I want us to go straight to the word because we have to maximize the time that we have. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. As we begin on the word, I also appreciate our mom, Pastor Sunta, uh, who started this journey on Friday last week, and also my, uh, my colleague, uh, Mr. T, uh, for leading us through this week, and uh, he has, I know he has been a blessing to you, as well as in the Apostolic House, he has been doing the lunch hours, and we thank God for that man of God. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, from verse 15 to verse um, I think verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want us to read verse 17 out and loud together uh, on the screen. Let's try one, two, three, go. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. As I've been waiting on the Lord in prayer, I felt impressed, man of God, uh, because I know the, the theme is the spirit of Christ. I thought about that theme and I realized we could go in so many directions. But I felt impressed in my heart to share for these four days on a topic I'm calling the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ. Because I had this feeling we cannot know the spirit of Christ until we know the person of Christ. And I can tell you already out of time because there is so much we need to share. Um, I, I don't know why is is that way. I came to realize when I have so much to share, uh, I get a bit confused because I don't know what to say and what not to say. And uh, so that's where I am. But how many of you know that the God of Joshua is still alive? The one who stops time. So we are going to gain the victory before time is over. I want to encourage you that you don't miss any session we are going to have all the way to Sunday. We're going to begin somewhere, just slowly. But as we keep on building on this matter, I want to believe God that something great is going to happen. Uh, the presence of God is very heavy. And um, I want to ask that you pray for me so that I can speak as I ought in these four days that we have. So the doctrine of Christ. Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church where we read, we began in verse 15. He says, since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to pray for you. Now, if an apostle wants to pray for you, you'll want to know what, what will you pray? Because these are apostolic prayers. They are not pastoral prayers. Your pastor is not very anointed, but the apostle. <laughs> That's what we think. <laughs> so you want to know what will the apostle pray? He does not pray for anything that is related to the needs of the people. And that's why I, I, I felt so blessed when you, you stood up and said that we began the journey by looking for many things. But you have come to that point 
is a point of crisis where we've realized what we need is Jesus. Now, Jesus is not a feeling. Jesus is a doctrine. You have to understand him. So he prays for them something related to this matter we are dealing with. He says, I've been praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the one who dwells in glory, the one who has glory, the one who is glory itself, may give you may give you the spirit may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so it goes without saying therefore that wisdom and revelation are spirits they are spirits that the Father can give you. How I pray. How I pray that that's going to happen. And let me tell you. Life Church Kasarani. This ministry is going to grow. It's going to increase largely. But let me tell you. If there is a DNA we should never lose. Is the revelation of who Christ is. If every one of you knew who Christ is, let me tell you, we are okay. Praise God. We are okay. Yeah. If we have a thousand people, or even two, who have this revelation, we are okay. And I can tell you this, listen, gentlemen, that this revelation of who Christ is, the doctrine of Christ, is so rare in the body of Christ until sometimes we wonder, are we still the church? Because when we look at the church, to me I feel like the church is becoming like a club or a society where it's just a gathering of people who sing a lot, who preach a lot, who pray a lot, but nothing more. You see, I'm throwing bombs so that I can scare you before we begin to explain things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says, I pray that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom and revelation. Not so that you can know your destiny. Not so you can know the generational curses you are dealing with. Not so that you can know who bewitched you last year. Not so that you can know your, your wife or your husband. All those things, are, they have a place in the kingdom. But that's not the primary thing. He says, 
spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now him there is Christ. To know him. And I like the word that is used there for knowledge because the normal Greek word for knowledge in the Bible is gnosis. Gnosis is a word of, for knowledge. But here it is using the word epignosis. Now epignosis is a, is a combination of two words. Epi, E-P-I, where we get the English word epic. Alright? And then gnosis is knowledge. So epignosis means the highest level of knowledge of Christ. Not this inferior knowledge, not the ordinary knowledge, but the zenith, the highest level of knowledge. And the highest level of knowledge on matters to do with epignosis is what we call experiential knowledge. So we can say the spirit of wisdom and revelation gives you an experience of Christ and with Christ. Are we together up to that point? Let's look at certain scriptures in laying this foundation. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to read verse 6. Let's look, let's begin from verse, go to verse 4. Okay, let's just begin verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry. Now, th this, this voice is good, but I, I wish I can get some little base. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves. Oh, how we can remind ourselves every time as preachers. We don't preach ourselves. Glory to God. But we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your bond servants, for Christ's sake. For it is the God, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Oh, Jesus. Who's, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory 
of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, oh God, just remain that verse. You see, you have to understand this scripture because we know scientifically that light shines into darkness. But to God, light comes out of darkness. Alright? Light comes out of darkness. He is the God who commanded light to shine out. Not into, but out. Do you know why he says that? Because God lives in darkness. Hizo ni statements wabiru wanasamanga za kustua watu. Any sorry, let's, let's continue. God lives in obscurity. There is darkness. And that is why we seek him. Because he is hidden in darkness. But out of that darkness, light shines forth. And Apostle Paul was using an Old Testament picture of the light of God. God commanded Moses to build a tabernacle. And that tabernacle had three compartments. The first compartment was called the outer court. That is where you entered, you entered through the gate and arrived in the outer court where there was the altar and the and the the, and the the lava the brazen lava now in the outer court there was light which was natural light the sun gave light to that place then you entered the second compartment which was called the holy place and in the holy place now it was within the building and in the holy place there were a number of things there was the the table of shoe bread the altar of incense, and the menorah, the golden lampstand. And now that golden lampstand was giving light to that place. So the light of the holy place was artificial light. But there was a third compartment that God told Moses to build. And in that compartment, the ark, which was the throne of God, that was covered by the mercy seat, was situated at that place. And Moses was commanded by God, let there be no light, no windows, no light completely. It was utter darkness because that was the habitation of God. And out of that darkness, when the glory of God will come upon the tabernacle, the glory will come in the form of light. And that light was called the Shekinah glory. And it will come on top of the mercy seat between the cherubim. And the light of God will shine forth. And the voice of God will proceed from that light. Oh, glory to God. So he says, it is that God who shines out of darkness. The same God who has shone in our hearts. To give the light 
of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we have been trained to seek for the glory of God. But here I want to tell you that the glory of God is not a thing. The glory of God is not just something you experience. The glory of God is a person and his name is Jesus. Jesus is a Shekinah glory. Oh, Jesus. Ah, Makataya. And what God wants to see is believers, the saints, beginning to interact with the knowledge of Christ so that Christ can begin to shine in your heart. So that out of your heart, the glory of God can be manifested to the earth. Oh my God. Somebody say, the doctrine of Christ. Praise the name of the living God. And I want you to write this thing down because it's so important. And just write it down and then we, we move on. The knowledge of Christ is the glory of God. The knowledge of Christ is the glory of God. One of the things I've come to experience, Pastor, Pastor Kim, is that the level of the demonstration of the glory of God that you manifest is in connection to your level of your understanding of Christ. The more you understand Christ, the more glory you exhibit. Mm. Glory to God. You cannot access glory outside the knowledge of Christ. So the question I want you to ask yourself is this. Do I know him? And what is my level of knowledge? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. I'm still laying the foundation so that we can run. Go to verse 15. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. This is now the, the children of Israel. Next verse. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Uh -huh. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Deliverance comes because of the spirit of Christ. And that's, that's not our point today. Let's read now this verse. Verse 18. Let's read. One, two, three, go. The same image from glory to glory. Just us by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Bible says, but we all, somebody say we all, we all. In, in Life Church Kasarani, <laughs> with unveiled faces. Now, remember what we read previously. 
What causes the veil to be, to be removed? When the heart turns to Christ. Do you know why we have believers who have veiled faces? Their hearts have not turned to Christ. They are looking for other things. Do you know there are people because you know sometimes preach, I came to realize we can be very negative. I don't want to be negative so God help me. But, but let me just say this. There are people in church who are in church looking for a husband. They are not here. Looking for a wife. Kujimudu kimaisha. Their God is called breakthrough. And that is why man of God, when we begin to unveil Christ, people, some people get bored. They are wondering, sasa unongea nini? Talk to us about the things that affect us. Yes. If we preach about seven keys to effective life, people will understand what a shika. But now when you begin to preach Christ, people get confused. Why? Because their veils, their faces are veiled. So the purpose of this conference, ladies and gentlemen, is to cause your heart to turn. And when your heart turns to Christ, what do we mean? You begin to have a desire and say, like the man of God was saying, what I want is you. I want to know you. When the heart turns, immediately at that point, the veil is removed. Then you begin to behold Christ through a mirror. And the mirror is this book you always hold. Christ is here. When you open scripture, you begin to see him. Oh God. Even if you are those kind of people who do your meditation like this. Today, where it will open, that's my meditation. You see Christ. You see Christ. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. Now, when your face is unveiled, and you begin to behold through the word the glory of the Lord. Immediately and eventually you are going to be transformed into that image. Aye. Mm. May this be the primary prayer of your life. I don't know what you are looking for, my brother and my sister, in this life. I pray that something is going to happen in our lives. That we are going to have one dominant prayer in our lives to know Christ. Because as you behold him, what is happening? You notice a transformation. Now, that word transform, you can go study the Greek. I see Christine is there, my, my Greek teacher. I always refer to her many times. That word transformed was 
It's not the word. It's not the word that was to be used here accurately. And in my study, I came to this, this, this understanding. Do you remember when Jesus was in the mountain with James, Peter, and John? The Bible says he was praying on top of the mountain. The disciples slept. And the Bible says, and Jesus was transfigured. There was a transfiguration. The same word used for the transfiguration of Christ is the same word Apostle Paul is using here. As you behold Christ, you are being transfigured. So they said, instead of using that mighty word that was used for Christ, let's look for an inferior word. But Paul said, you can be transfigured as you behold the glory of Christ. Now, why is that important? Because when you talk about transformation, many times we equate it to your spirit. But transfiguration affects your spirit, your soul, and your body. The knowledge of Christ changes your physical frame. And the reason why Paul used in that chapter is because previously in the same chapter, he talked of Moses. And the Bible says, Moses, when he went and beheld the glory of God, you know what happened? His physical, his face was transfigured. And when he came down after 40 days, the Bible says the children of Israel could not see him. Because he was transfigured. He looked like the God he was seeing. Ah. And he put a veil so that the children of Israel can endure. But now Moses, by uh, Paul, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, said, no, Moses did not put a veil to hide the glory. He put a, a veil to hide the fading of that glory. So Moses was in the presence of God and the glory will transfigure him. When he left the presence of God, the glory began to disappear. So he put a veil so that the children of Israel will not see the disappearing glory. They will think the same glory we saw in the first day is still with him. It left. The transfiguration stopped when he stopped beholding the glory of God. But now Paul says in the New Testament, it is different. It's not the fading glory, but it is from glory to glory. <sighs> glory to glory. But what you need is simply this. Keep beholding. Keep beholding. Keep beholding. Keep beholding. And as you behold, you are transfigured from glory to glory. I have always say this, and I want to say this with all humility, because I am convinced about this, that the generation that will see the second coming of Christ, man of God, that generation is not because it has been programmed, they are the ones to see it. 
No, it is because the church will have matured to a level they will access resurrection life. The church has been growing from generation to generation. Unfortunately, there have been epochs of time when the church was decreasing instead of growing. In terms of the knowledge of God, the dark ages was one of that, where the church lost the glory. But now God has been restoring the glory from one generation to another. And we need to ensure that from generation to generation, the church is maturing in the knowledge of Christ. Until we come to that moment where a generation will overcome death. I'm telling you, this thing is so major. Let me say something else and then I'll also be careful as I speak this. Because I don't need to be negative. We need to be careful this generation that we don't make the gospel primarily about financial prosperity. Because if we make the gospel about material well-being, we will have deprived ourselves of the true riches and wealth that God has in store for us. If there is something we need to pursue, is to know Jesus. I remember a few years ago, the Lord appeared to me in a dream. Very, very short dream. And the Holy Spirit told me, preach Christ. And you know how God speaks? That word came with a lot of weight. And I understood what God was saying is this. You have been preaching so many things. But I want you to preach Christ. What I did some years ago, I got a new Bible. And I began to read the Bible. Not looking for anything else. Just to know Christ. And the more I'm studying, the more I'm wondering, what, what have I been preaching? What have we been preaching? Because you cannot exhaust Christ. That's why we're in this conference. The spirit of Christ. We all with unveiled faces. Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of God. Which is Christ. Are being transfigured. A man or a woman. Who is growing in the knowledge of Christ. You can look at their faces and see. It is visible. It changes your own body. You come to a place even sickness cannot touch your body. I pray may we come there. You, you cannot be sick because your body is taking the form of Christ. Glory to God. Let's go to another, another scripture. Because we are laying the foundation. 
laying the foundation. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. I want you to see the wealth and the significance of this thing that we are sharing in this week. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Let me tell you, my, my, my brother, if you have been called by God and you love him, everything in your life works for good. It does not mean everything is going to be good, but it works for good. When you have money, it works for good. When you don't, it works for good. Now, I'm not saying lack of money is good. It is bad. We have not been called to preach poverty. But even that, God uses it to work for good. And I'll tell you why. Because of God's object. You hear James Onaskeyo? Because of the objective of God. The perspective of God on things. God does not see things the way we do. And the moment we will understand that, that's when we begin to work with God. He has an objective. So he's working with everything. Because he has called you and you love him. Got the next verse. For whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I know that matter of predestination is very controversial. But let me settle it to you today. The matter of predestination is not about who will go to heaven and who will go to hell. The matter of predestination is one. God the Father predestined a man called Christ. Jesus Christ is the predestination of God. Jesus Christ, I pray the spirit of understanding will rest upon you. Man, Jesus Christ is the predestination of God. So when you talk destiny, destiny is nothing else. It is Jesus Christ. Your destiny is not to be an apostle. Your destiny is not to be a prophet. Your destiny is not to be a financial of the gospel. No, no, no. Your destiny is one. To be like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a predestination of God. So any person who makes a decision to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, God picks him and places him into Christ. With one objective, you will be like him. Simple. Your destiny is not to go to heaven. Another statement, Yakustua Watu. God did not call you to go to heaven when you die. Do you know by the way heaven is not your final destination? 
You think we'll live forever in heaven? Go read the Bible. We are just going to stay there waiting for the resurrection of the dead. And the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Mm, glory to God. Your destination is called Jesus Christ. So you better begin to work early. You are a wife, married. What should you be looking for? God, I want to be like Jesus in this house. Can you imagine a man who has married Jesus, uh, married Christ? Man, when there is no food, you just thank God and bread multiplies. I tell you, <laughs> every man will want to marry such a wife. You are a husband and you look like Christ. Ah! Jehovah. Now what about the two of you? You are like Christ. Those children will just become like angels. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be a beautiful family. Now let me tell you, that is your destiny. When I understood that, Pastor James, I'm telling you the truth. I began to pray for long life. And this is what I normally pray. Lord, give me long life. That men will see Christ in this vessel. That is my objective in life. And that should be your objective in life. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ask your neighbor, who do you look like? Are we making sense? Somebody say, Jesus Christ is a predestination of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Apostle Paul is still speaking. I can see I will finish today. What I want to finish. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.27. Is this Colossians 1.27? Aha. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. You know I like Nigerians. Everything is a mystery. The mystery of breakthrough. The mystery of prosperity. Hey, these people with mysteries. Wonderful people. But I was shocked. There's only one mystery. Paul had no many mysteries. Just one mystery. Either it's called the mystery of the gospel or the mystery of the wisdom of God. Whatever it is. Only one mystery. God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And what is the mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. And this is how I like putting it. When you enter into the kingdom and you are born again, Christ comes in you. And God has one hope. That Christ in you will translate into glory. It is a hope of glory. 
And how will you come into that glory? It is as you learn Christ. You are being transformed. One day it will no longer be a hope. It will be a reality. Christ is in you. But this desire of God is this. For you to be clothed in Christ. Not for him to be in you. For you to be in him. To be clothed in him. Continue the next verse. Him we preach. Now look at, look at now the ministry. Him we preach. And we warn every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. True ministry has to have preaching and warning and teaching. When you teach, you have a very innocent face like the one we have now. When you preach, you must have a handkerchief. Because you will be sweating. But when you warn, you must have a hard face. And why are we doing all of these things? So that we can present every man. Do you know, my friends, those of us who are ministers here, we will give account for you. God will say, I gave you Evans. I gave you Anthony. I gave you Edwin. I gave you Ken. Where are they? You cannot present Anthony the way he is. You must present him perfect in Christ. And if those people that God has entrusted to us, we don't bring them into the perfection in Christ, we have failed on our assignment. These people, man of God, in the next three years, they must resemble Christ. They must enter destiny. Oh, yeah. And if we don't achieve that, we have failed on our assignment. I refuse anybody to call me dad. And they behave like the devil. My father, my father. My mother, my mother. That is the language. But these people, they are calling us those names, but they behave like mere men. Don't seek to please us. Seek to be conformed to Christ. That even your wife can say, this man, since he joined this church, he has changed. My wife is different since he began to come. He's not arguing. She's not complaining. She's, she's, she's kind. She's gentle. She prays and things begin to happen. Why? Because she is becoming like Christ. We are presenting men perfect. Are we making sense, ladies and gentlemen? To present every man perfect in Christ. 
And then he continues to say the next verse. To this end, I also labor. I'm telling you, this ministry is labor. This ministry is labor. And we strive according to his working which works in me mightily. Therefore it means the working into Christ likeness must begin with the man of God. So that you can translate what God has worked in you on men. Place your hand on your head. Pray in tongues for one minute. Ask God for understanding. Ask God for understanding. The name of Jesus. Kamazola Pakaya Mazoka. Le masukando loboza kata. Le makandele seketa labosa. Lusa kuria sorobo kata. Mando posia makaya mazola bahande karaba. Shale pakura sukataria bazo. Jesus. Ha 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 ha. To present every man perfect. You know, Rahab, one of the best, what do you call this? The year's resolution. When you start a year, let me give you a resolution that should always be there every year. When you start January, make a resolution by December. I'll be more like Jesus than I am now. That's the best resolution you can make. And how will you be more like Jesus? Go to the mirror. See an aspect of Christ in the mirror. Yone. And then work toward it. Jesus was love. He walked in agape. Selfless love. Now, I see it in the mirror. 2023, I work toward that. That as the year will be coming to an end, I will also begin to walk in agape. Oh, Jesus. Look, look at Galatians 4.19. I told you when I have many things to say, words zinagongana kwa mdomo. So when, I'm, when I pause, just understand. Galatians 4.19. My little children. I know we are reading out of context, but it's okay. My little children. For whom I labor. I labor in birth until Christ is formed. In you. For Christ to be formed. That when I begin to look into you. I see Christ. Oh my God. And this is ministry. Now let me finish in the next 20 minutes. By establishing a number of things here. So that we can continue. From tomorrow. This man called Jesus Christ has been revealed to us in different aspects 
And God, through the history of the Bible, has tried to show us this man called Jesus, or this revelation called Christ, in different aspects. The first revelation of Christ, he was revealed as the eternal word. The eternal word. In the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and empty, a void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be light. In that verse, you see two things. The speaking of God and the light of God is the same thing. So the speaking of God, which is the word of God, which brings light, is what we call the eternal word. And it is Christ. That's why in John chapter 1, Verse 1, he says, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who is the Word? Jesus Christ. So John was saying, I want to present to you the man, Jesus Christ, who walked on water. Who walked among us. But this man I want to talk to you. Was from the beginning. And from the beginning. Even before time began. He was known as the word. The eternal word of God. But then. This. Revelation of Christ was revealed to us in a second way of which we call the incarnate word. The incarnate word means the word of God, the eternal word of God took on the form of a man. The word became flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14. Tell your neighbor we are laying a foundation. And the word became flesh. Can you see that? The eternal word of God. The same word that created everything. That word became flesh. And dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the incarnate word that was revealing this mystery called Christ dwelt among us for 33 years. Ah, That word was a baby. He grew. At the age of 12, he was 
disputing with scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. And they were wondering, what kind of wisdom is this? At the age of 30, he appeared before John the Baptist and he went through the waters of immersion. He was led into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. Then he came with the power of the Spirit and he began to heal the blind, raise the dead, heal the cripples. This was the word of God made flesh. And one of the things I've come to realize, my woman of God, I was shocked. Many times, the only revelation of Christ we preach is an incarnate word. Anytime we preach Christ, we go to the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is just one part of who he is. Eh, eh, eh. My God. Sit properly. We may extend this conference. <laughs> this is when the preacher begins to misbehave. <laughs> Jesus lifts the bread, gives thanks, they multiply. It is powerful, but that is just the incarnate word. The man, Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, at the age of 33, he went on the cross. The man, Jesus, he was crucified. He died. He was buried. But the Bible says on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, he ceased to be the man, Jesus Christ. He became the resurrected Christ. Now the resurrected Christ is a mystery of Christ that we must understand. And let me tell you why it's important. And in the course of the days, we are going to build on this. In Luke chapter 24 verse 39, for example, this is what the Bible says. Luke chapter 24 verse 39. Go to the, the previous verse. And he said to them, now this is Jesus as after he has resurrected. And the Bible says the disciples were in a room enclosed by themselves. And Jesus walked through the walls. Now this is not the man Jesus. This is another Jesus. He's the same, but in another glory. He walks through the, 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 the walls. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Arise. In your heart. Or doubt arise in your heart. Behold. Look at this. My hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Because Thomas was doubting. He says touch me. I still have a body. Touch my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me and see. So even the scars was, was in his hands and his feet. But then he says, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. So Jesus in his resurrected body, he did not have blood. And that's what we call the resurrection life. This is where after he rose again, he ceased to be a living soul. He became a life-giving spirit. 
Because the soul is in the blood. Now, the blood was shed. That's why the Bible says he, he gave his soul. <sighs> he gave his soul. All the blood in his veins was shed on the cross that when he rose from the dead, he did not have blood. It was flesh and bones. And if we enter there, we can explain many things and how it applies to us. It's amazing. But then the Bible says, after a while, Jesus went to the Father. And when he went to the Father, the Bible says now he is known as the ascended Christ. When he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he was not the same as he was in resurrection. Because that's why the next time he shows up in Acts chapter 9, you can't touch him. Do you know when he rose from the dead, he could even eat fish. He could have fellowship with the disciples for 40 days. But when he appeared to Apostle Paul in his ascended state, he could not even see him because of the brilliance of his glory. The same disciples who could lean on his chest, John, in the book of Revelation chapter 1, when he saw him in his ascended state, the Bible says he fell as one dead. And we need to know this glorified Christ. And John begins to speak of him. And we will not have time for this. He says when I saw him. His hair and his head was white as snow. His eyes was like fire. His tongue was like a two-edged sword. His feet like brass. Glory to God. He is in a glory that he cannot be approached by mere men. This is the Christ that we worship. We don't worship the Christ with blue eyes. We worship the Christ who has eyes of fire. Oh my God. Men, we need to teach Christ. But Apostle Paul, as he kept on studying Christ, he came to realize that there's another revelation of Christ beyond the ascended Christ. He began to talk about the spirit of Christ. Do you know the Holy Spirit is not the name of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a description of of his nature. He is holy. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. The theme of this conference. The Spirit of Christ. How Christ now. Is no longer Emmanuel. Do you know. The revelation of Emmanuel. Is connected to the nature of Christ in the flesh. We is not Emmanuel anymore. He is now the Spirit of Christ, God in us. Oh, how I pray the church will understand this. 
God in you. Through the spirit, God is in you. So that when we learn him, God will begin to manifest through us. But Apostle Paul goes further and says, after the spirit of Christ, he comes to this revelation of Christ and he says, Christ has revealed himself as a body. And he calls it the body of Christ. And when we talk about the body of Christ, that's when we begin to interrogate the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. And what makes the church the body of Christ is when we are baptized into the spirit. When you got saved, Edwin, you come, you are my friend. When you got saved, a man of God took you and baptized you. You see that? But after a while, after baptizing you, he presents you to Christ. So that Christ baptizes you into the spirit. But the work is not over. The spirit now wants to take you and baptize you into Christ. Now, we will come to that in these days. And I will show you why it is important. So some of you, it's only the pastor who has baptized you. You are wet. But now the pastor wants to present you so that Christ will baptize you into the spirit. So that now the Holy Spirit with the spirit of Christ begins to reveal to you Christ so that he can baptize you into Christ. Thank you, my brother. Somebody say, we are the body of Christ. You can be in the church for a long time, but that does not mean you have been baptized into Christ. You must learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that he can begin to give you the wisdom, the epignosis of Christ. Eventually, he immerses you into him. The body of Christ. Paul says, we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. He is in heaven. The church is on the earth. It is the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, I think it's going to be on Sunday. We are going to deal with that one thing. Because life church Kasarani, we must learn how to operate as a body of Christ. 
Oh my God. But then John in the book of 1 John chapter 3, he says from verse 1. The eternal word, the incarnate word, the ascended or the resurrected, resurrected Christ, the ascended Christ, the spirit of Christ, the body of Christ. But John, in 1 John, he says something to this effect. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Now, who is writing the book of John? This is going to be the last thing I will say and then we pray. It's John, the apostle John. Is that true? At this time, he's an elder. He's the same one who wrote the gospel of John. Now, interestingly, he's the same one who saw Christ in the book of Revelation. And for your information, and this is for studies, the book of Revelation was one of the first books John wrote. He wrote when he was a young man. In around 60, between 65 and 68 AD. That, that's another story for another day. And when he was writing the book of Revelation, he saw the glory of Christ. Now, I want you to follow my thought very carefully. He saw him yeah. in his ascended state. Yeah. He says, I fell as one who was dead. The glory was too much for him. But now as he's writing the book of 1 John, he's an old man. He has seen Christ in the flesh. He saw Christ in his resurrected body. He saw Christ in his ascension. He has encountered the spirit of Christ. He is a leader in the body of Christ. But now in verse 2, he says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know. Somebody say, I know. That when he is revealed, so that means he has not yet been revealed. <laughs> when he is revealed, there is another revealing of Christ we are waiting. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now, this is the after resurrection. Now, let me, let me shock you. Nobody knows how life after resurrection will be like. Or oh, we were told they, uh, we will live in the new Jerusalem. And then we were disappointed when we discovered the new Jerusalem is not in heaven. It's coming down to the earth. So when you are going to heaven... The new Jerusalem is coming down. So where will we meet? We were told, oh, we are going to live in mansions. In my father's house, there are many mansions. But then we went deeper. Somebody said, go deeper, man of God. 
We discover there is nothing like mansions. These are called places. So some of you, your mansion, I'm sorry. And then we said, ah, don't worry, man of God, don't worry. We are going to walk in streets of gold. Hallelujah. Then we we'll, looked at the scripture and discovered there are no streets of gold. It is one. <laughs> it's one street. And that street is called Jesus. Abia Mazako in the conference. Utakula mifupa upendo spell. We don't know how that life will be like. That's why John says, it has not yet been revealed what it shall be. Even if you use all your imaginations, we don't know how that life will be. Nobody knows. But we know. Somebody say we know. When he shall be revealed, we shall be like him. So what are we waiting for? We are not waiting for the resurrected life. Neither are we waiting for heaven. We are waiting for Christ to be revealed. In the second coming of Christ, he says, the how Christ will come, even John did not see it. What John saw in the book of Revelation is not the revelation of Christ in his second appearing. It's going to be in another level. That's why he calls it the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when he appears in the glory he will appear in, he says, we will take that glory. These things are too hard for us. So ladies and gentlemen, what is your destiny? Your destiny is called Christ. And you don't bump into that destiny. You grow into it. As he has been revealed to you, you take that image. And let me tell you, this journey will continue on until the day Christ will split the heavens. And the Bible says with the voice of an archangel and with a shout of a trumpet, he will appear. That glory, nobody knows how it will be like. And that is the hope of the church. May all glories fade away. That you can have only one glory that you are aiming at to be like him. Can you lift up your hands and just begin to pray? And I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Give me understanding that I can begin to understand. Lift up your voice, somebody. Oh, my God.